El Fanboy, episode 64. everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the 64th edition of the El Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, you might notice in my voice that I sound a little bit like I've got the plague, and that's because I kind of do. I'm currently hopped up on DayQuil and, and ready and willing and happy to geek out with you, but uh, your boy's not feeling so hot. I've... Uh, you know, I guess a month of burning the candle at both ends has finally caught up with me. It's been an insane month. June is always an insane month for uh, for anyone in the DJ business because ordinarily, you know, you only really work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But at the end of the year in June, all these schools have these end-of-year events. And if you're someone like me who's cool with working at schools, you know, all that sort of stuff, um, it means your week gets tossed upside down because you have like a random prom on a Tuesday night and a fifth grade senior barbecue on Wednesday morning and then a teacher's retirement party on Thursday evening. And like all of a sudden, like every day you're bouncing around from venue to venue with all your gear, racing around, doing doubles on a Wednesday. It's a very strange time of year. And... Um, Trying to balance all of the events I've had to work uh, along with the site, which, by the way, yesterday we hit the 1,000 post threshold, which is pretty darn cool. Um, and then, you know, obviously trying to, you know, I, I also sing in a band now. My band got back together in the last couple of months trying to show up as a family man and husband. You know, it's exhausting. Uh, and even today, you know, today I, I ordinarily would have postponed because of everything I have going on. But just to recap, you know, this morning... I had to be dad man already, you know, get the kids up and dressed and breakfasted and off to school by myself, you know, while my wife, uh, she's a school teacher, so she you know, she can't help in the morning. So my kids are off at school and breakfasted and dressed. I have a podcast to run. I have wet, I have articles to review for the site. Then I got to go get my kids, take them to their annual doctor's appointment because their birthdays are right around each other and it's time for the two of them to have their joint annual then from there, I have to race upstate and do a wedding by myself until midnight, all while feeling the way I do. So it's exhausting, but it's a lot of fun, and uh, we have a lot to discuss today, and that's why I did not postpone. Just hopefully, you can bear with me if I sound a little uh, less than perfect. I'm a little nasal. I'm a little stuffed up. But as long as you're willing to deal with me in this current state, I've got some interesting things to share with you. So before I get into them, let's sort of like circle back to the last time I did a sort of like DC rumor dump, which was about, I don't know, like a month ago, um, just to kind of see how it all played out, just so you can kind of see, you know, sort of set the stage here for you. So the last time we had a show about the, that, that was going to be uh, the nature of this one. The three big DC rumors were as follows. Um, I mentioned to you that you know, Warner Brothers is internally looking to bet really big on Henry Cavill's Superman. That you know they want him to appear in other things. And I backed up what Collider had reported. And I added some of my own sort of insight. Um, then I also mentioned that it looked like Ben Affleck was indeed gone. 
Uh, mind you, I you know I, I said that, and then a few weeks later, all the trades sort of jumped on it. Not you, they, they didn't jump on mine. I'm not taking credit for that. It wasn't a scoop, but it, it just goes to show you. You know, we're we're speaking to the same people. You know, so I seem to have a. Uh, you know, uh, access to some of the the, the higher end sources uh, because you know uh, if Variety and the Hollywood Reporter is echoing what I'm saying, uh, you know I, I think that bodes well for you listening to me as well. <laughs> and the third thing was uh, about Flash and Flashpoint. You know, at the time, Humberto Gonzalez El Mayimbe had dropped a hint that uh, Flashpoint was no longer a thing and that it would be the Flash. And I, you know, on that show, I backed him up because I heard, I was hearing the same things. And lo and behold, you know, the, the whispers that have come out since are indeed that Flashpoint is no longer a thing. They're looking to make a Flash solo movie that's very sort of reminiscent of like the Back to the Future movies um, and so on and so forth. So, you know, th th those were the last few things and all of them have either been covered by the trades or confirmed in some way, shape or form. Uh, also around that time, I dropped on you the, the whole sort of how the power structure at DC was shaken out with the fact that now they were moving like legitimately in the direction of having one guy, Walter Hamada, steer the ship. And they were going to sort of de-emphasize Jeff Johns and have him just be, you know, focus on creative stuff, on content, that sort of thing, no longer serving as an executive or suit on the upper management level of DC Entertainment. And look how that worked out. That got announced uh, a week and a half ago, too. So hopefully that helps you in your confidence in lending some weight to the rumors I'm about to share with you. Because I, I don't just drop any old shit. I hear all kinds of wacky things and I keep them to myself. If I bring it to you, it's because A, I think it's exciting or interesting. And B, it's because it came from someone I trust. Um, so with all that said, though, now I kind of walk it back a little bit. Remember, these are just rumors. It's gossip. It's, bo it's bochinche. This is basically the rumor mill. And you, as my friends, as my fans, as my supporters, as my listeners, as my whatever you consider yourself, even if you're someone who's just like, I kind of can't stand this guy, but I'm going to listen because just in case he's got a nugget, no matter what level of uh, supporter you are, uh, hopefully you get something out of this. And just re remember, take these things with a grain of salt. This is just like the word on the street. This is what I'm hearing as I keep my ear low to the ground and try to figure out what's coming. Um, so, all right, so let's start with you know, the, the main thing that I teased. A couple days ago, I mentioned that I had some Superman bochinche for you. Um, and this is sort of like a follow-up to what I said last time around about how internally there are plans moving and shaking even if nothing has been publicly announced yet. Because if, you know, if you'll notice... With all of the films that have been mentioned as in development or coming or anything, there has been no real public movement on a Superman movie or sequel or appearance in, a, in an official capacity of any kind in the last, like, you know, I would say in the last six or seven months at the very least. I, I think like the last time we legitimately heard about A Man of Steel 2 was in the middle of 2017 before Justice League. So with that in mind, it's very notable what Henry Cavill posted on his Instagram recently. I don't know if you've seen it, but he posted this video of himself working out and he basically drops the hint that, you know, it's time to get back into Superman shape and that we might be seeing him back in blue. I forget how he exactly phrased it, but, you know, we might be seeing him back in blue sooner than you expect. 
And that's notable and interesting, isn't it? Because there are no movies presumably on the horizon. You know, no one's talking about Justice League 2. No one's talking about Flashpoint anymore. No one's talking about any sort of major DC crossover where he may show up. And no one's talking about Man of Steel 2 in an official capacity. But yet here he is saying that he's getting back into Superman shape right here in the middle of 2018. So what does that tell you? That tell you he's getting ready to, to get back you know, under the red cape. And if you'll recall, the last time I spoke to you about this, Warner Brothers internally is trying to get Man of Steel up and running and into theaters for the year 2020. That is their goal. That's what they want to do. That's what they hope to do. Um, and you know, I'm not saying that that's what he's training for right now, but it, it all sort of works together in that Henry Cavill is still very much the active Superman, despite the fact that after Justice League, a lot of people thought maybe that was the last time we were going to see him because the movie sort of misfired. And between that and the reception of BVS and the fact that Man of Steel wasn't exactly this huge mainstream colossal success, you know, there were people who really felt like Henry Cavill's days as Superman were numbered. But, you know, lo and behold, Cavill's own comments and every all, all, all this stuff that's gone on in these last couple of months with him and Christopher McQuarrie and the teasing he's been doing with, with Zachary Levi on Instagram and all this sort of stuff, clearly he's here to stay. Now, this brings us to San Diego Comic-Con. So apparently Warner Brothers is, they're mulling over different ways to use him. They want his presence at the panel. And obviously the big one, if, if they were to go as big as possible, what they want to do is announce the Superman sequel. You'd be able to announce a release date and a director and maybe something about the premise or the storyline that it's going to cover. You know, that that's kind of like the big trump card that they would like to do. But, you know, they're also trying to not repeat the mistakes of the past. As the Hollywood Reporter noted about a week and a half ago, one of the things Walter Hamada is trying to do is not repeat what a previous administrations have done, which is announcing movies and release dates for them, and then none of it actually panning out. If you remember, you know, back in 2014, DC unveiled a 10-film slate that took us into like 2021 or something like that, and like half of those movies are either not happening or have completely evolved since then. So Hamada doesn't want to do that. When he, when he when he makes an official announcement, he wants it to be something that like it's ironclad, it's set in stone, and it's because like we're going to start filming in a few months. And when it comes to Man of Steel 2, you know, it, it's about figuring out if the film is, is, is ready enough and close enough to enter production to sort of let the cat out of the bag. I'm also hearing that internally, they have a feeling that Mission Impossible Fallout is going to make Cavill a much bigger star than he currently is, which is kind of, you know, I guess indirectly kind of shitty if you think about it. You know, he's been Superman since 2013. You'd think playing Superman, an iconic, legendary figure like that, would already have him be a household name. But the studio internally, I guess, you know, I guess based on the critical responses, based on box office receipts... You know, there's still this sort of element of like, he hasn't quite broken out and become an A-lister yet. And they think Mission Impossible Fallout's going to do it. So that's apparently an, another thing that's factoring in here, because Fallout comes out after Comic-Con. And they may want to time the announcement of a Man of Steel 2 for after Fallout's arrival. So that basically it could ride that wave. You know, if Fallout comes out and it takes number one of the box office for a couple of weeks, 
and it's this big runaway success and fans love it and critics love it and people are all like, you know, cheering for Henry Cavill. Then as part of that positive buzz, I would expect a big press release about Superman 2 or Man of Steel 2 or as I like to call it, the untitled Superman sequel. Um, but either way, you know, they, it, it's still a possibility it gets announced. You know, it, it, things with Comic Cons and in general, all kinds of conventions, it, it, it's hard to report on. It's hard to discuss because it does change a lot. You know, it, it could change even the day before. I, I was speaking to someone who works for Regal Movies and he was letting me know like, yeah, dude, reporting on con stuff is tough. I've seen things scrapped during the rehearsal Literally, at the rehearsal the night before or earlier that day, I've seen people go, yeah, they, we're, we're going to save that announcement or oh, this isn't going to work or let's just focus on this, you know. So uh, uh, discussing anything that happens at a con is difficult. But with regard to Henry Cavill, with regard to Superman, one thing that I heard that is that if they don't go full-fledged with a, with a Superman 2 announcement, um, one of the ideas that they're also kicking around is having him introduce the trailer for Shazam, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. You know, remember, I, I reported to you earlier this year that uh, we're going to be seeing, sorry, I'm a little stuffed, uh, is that we're going to be seeing Henry Cavill's Superman appear in Shazam. And uh, I guess as part of that, as sort of like, you know, hinting at that and teasing at that and wanting to sort of plant that seed in the collective imagination of their fans, there's talk of having, you know, Henry Cavill be the one who introduces the Shazam trailer. So that's kind of interesting. That's sort of exciting. Um, and by the way, with regard to that, you know, I still periodically check in since, you know, I, do, I, I am the one who broke that scoop and I know how much things can change. So, you know, I get nervous. I'm like, listen, I got people excited about Henry being in Shazam. I, I need to know that that's still the plan because, you know, I, I don't want to let you guys down. I don't want to set you up for a disappointment. So over the course of the last few months since I broke that story, I do periodically just check in like, hey, so that's uh, that's still happening, right? That's still a thing. And as as per my, my, my most recent update this week, um, yes, it's still a thing. And actually, contrary to, to previous reports that others have made, it has not been filmed yet. Apparently, there's, you know, there is a sequence for Superman, and, and I think that's what he's training for, by the way. There is a sequence, there's, there's a sequence in Shazam that's there for Superman that is more of like a, almost like a fan service type deal. It's, it's, it's not going to be integral to the plot. It's not anything where like Superman and Shazam are teaming up against Black Adam. I know some fans were hoping something like that might happen. You know, it's not anything that's integral to the plot. That's why it's more of just like it's a cameo. From what I understand, it's even it's going to have much more in common with like the, the 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 Superman versus Flash race at the end of Justice League. I don't know what that means that if it's going to be a post credit sequence, but it's essentially there for that purpose. It's there to like put a big goofy smile on your face. It's there to kind of remind you that all these characters are under the same umbrella, and you know, it, it, and I'm sure it'll have some sort of emotional payoff. Since the understanding is that Shazam, that um, what's the boy's name, Billy Batson, is a big DC slash Superman fanboy. So anyway, so from what I hear that d despite the fact that some have reported it was already filmed, 
um, it has not been shot yet, and that is very much likely what it is that Henry is getting back into Superman shape for. Uh, and also, this is just a, a, a hunch, but, you know, Zachary Levi has already, Levi, Levy, Levy, I don't know how to say it, but, you know, he's already dyed his hair back to normal, and he seems to be done for a while. So a part of me wonders if this Superman scene is actually with Billy Batson, not with, you know, the the fully grown-up Shazam slash Captain Marvel. This might be a, a like a, a heartwarming or fun scene between Superman and the little boy Billy Batson, which I think is kind of perfect, by the way. That To me, even just talking about that gives me the warm and fuzzies because I love the idea of him coming down to mentor this boy or you know, to at least, you know, just to... Give him a pat on the back because I, you know, I, I know what you've been up to or something. You know, I, I, I have a, I have a wonderful feeling about that. But either way, in terms of SDCC, you know, Warner Brothers is really heavily looking at how they want to use Cavill, and you know, one option is the biggie, which is announcing the sequel. The other option is having him introduce the trailer, um, and that's it. So that that was the Superman at Comic Con sort of mochincha that I've been hearing that I wanted to share with you. But in general, too, if you look at it, DC is really stacking this show up. And it looks like they really want to take center stage and really sort of steal Comic-Con out from under anyone who wants to try to use the show to make a big splash. Because, you know, James Wan already announced that we're going to get the Aquaman trailer. Then my boy Kelvin Chavez from Latino Review on the Splash Report, he mentioned last week about uh, that he got confirmation that the Shazam trailer is going to be there. And just this morning, we pretty much got confirmation on that, didn't we? You know, I retweeted it, but David F. Sandberg, the director of Shazam, uh, posted this thing about how excited he is. He cannot wait for Comic-Con to come, which seems to indicate that, yes, indeed, he's bringing some Shazam goodness. You know, why would he be hyping up you know, Comic-Con and him wanting to be there or him being excited for the show if he's not going to be involved at all. So we've got Aquaman confirmed. We have Shazam seemingly confirmed. Then there was the reports yesterday that we might get some footage of Wonder Woman 1984, even though that film is only a couple of weeks into photography. But it shows you that they're really like, they see that Marvel Studios is not going to come. They see that HBO and Game of Thrones aren't going to come, and that's another big sort of geeky property that tends to take up, you know, a big Hall H panel. They basically see that, like, the stage is set for them to come to this show and just blow everyone away. So that's why it might even be in their best interest to save the Superman sequel for you know, the the announcement of it for a little down the line because it's already going to be a crazy show when you consider the fact that we're going to probably lay eyes on footage for all three of the upcoming DC films that are currently in production. That in and of itself should get people excited. You know, having to add the Superman sequel on top of that, it's almost overkill. You know, people won't know which thing to be most excited about and then something might disappear. You know, they so that's why I'm like, I kind of see it both ways as the giddy... Superman fan who knows that they're preparing a sequel, I want them to announce it immediately. I want them to announce it yesterday. But if I'm being responsible and if I'm looking at the studio trying its best to to, you know, gently unfold things so that it all has its maximum impact, 
then even I agree, maybe they should save it for after Mission Impossible Fallout. Maybe announce it sometime in August as a follow-up to the buzz that Cavill helps create at Comic-Con. That way, you know, each one of these DC things has its big sort of moment, you know? Um... So, okay, so that kind of concludes my my Superman stuff, even though I do have a, a little Krypton thing to share with you in a few, too. But now I want to switch over from Superman over to Batman. Because what's interesting here is the, 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 there are different rumors that have been going around for weeks now. Is it going to reboot? Is Affleck going to stay? Is Affleck going to go? Is it a prequel? Then Mark Hughes mentioned a thing that he's heard some conversations where... This Batman might be in the same continuity as Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. And everyone's like, wait a minute. I thought the Joker thing was a standalone that's going to be released under a completely different banner. So how can that be? At the same time, like, does this mean that they're going to continue on with Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, with Ezra Miller's Flash, with Jason Momoa's Aquaman, with Henry Cavill's Superman? But we're going to basically just forget about the, the, the Batman that we've seen so far? Like, how can that be? And honestly, with some of the stuff I learned this week, I now understand where all the confusion comes from. I now understand why the rumors seem to all contradict one another. And it's because the actual, like, the plan, the groundwork that they're laying over there is kind of baffling. It is confusing. And it does seem contradictory because they are really trying to have their cake and eat it too by basically not committing to any one thing and trying to do several things at once. Um, so listen, you take this as you will. I, I, I don't want to say this is positive news or negative news. You know, I try to be as much as possible a beacon of hope when it comes to DC stuff because I know that, you know, fans of the DC franchise and all of us, you know, we, we, we've had a, ru a tough run of, run of it for a couple of years now. Whether you've loved the current movies or you've hated the current movies, it just hasn't been easy to be a DC fan. So I always try my best to put like a positive spin or, or to say like, yeah, this sounds scary, but give it a chance. For this, you know, let, here's what I learned and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try my best to not uh, influence how you feel about it. You decide how you feel about it. I'm just gonna tell you what I heard. So essentially, they wanna develop this Batman movie as if it is a reboot, as if it's all new. Um, but they're, they're not gonna make any like overt statements about it. They're just gonna make a movie about a younger Batman who I believe it, it, it takes place in the past which will create a backdoor for if they ever do want to cross-pollinate him with the other DC characters again. Does that make any sense? Should I say it again? I'm not sure. If it sounds confusing, I'm going to try to just rephrase it here. They're going to make Batman as his own standalone franchise. They're going to basically start him over again to a degree, but they're going to leave a backdoor open so that depending on how the next few DC movies do... From there, they can decide which continuity he's a part of and whether or not they're going to push forward on the shared concept and do more crossover movies like Justice League 2 or World's Finest or Trinity or whatever you want to call it. So that's kind of where this confusion comes from. It comes from the fact that they don't want to completely say that the shared universe concept is out the window. 
they do want it in the lingering and the background as a possibility. But for the time being, they are developing Batman as if it's its own thing. It's going to be its own, its own like fully self-enclosed story that takes place. It's just Batman doing a Batman thing. And then if it goes extraordinarily well and all the other DC movies do extraordinarily well, then from there they're going to decide, okay, so what are we going to keep and what are we going to discard? The same goes for all of the shared things so far. They're looking at the the DCEU. I'm going to call the old guard the DCEU since that's what people got used to calling it. So the first wave of DC films, the DCEU, had things that the studio's proud of and had things that the studio wants to move away from. And what they're trying to do right now is pick and choose. They're going to pick the elements from the DCEU that they want to keep moving forward and they're going to sort of forget about the rest. So... It's, it, that's why like it, it's it's it gets confusing to to discuss this stuff and to and to kind of take a hard line stance for how things are going to shake out because they are still sort of taking like a wait and see approach. For example, I heard that if this Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie becomes some sort of sensation and people love it and it all of a sudden people just love Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and what Todd Phillips developed over there. That could very well spell the end of the Jared Leto Joker. Like, it's one of these things where it's just kind of things are still sort of up in the air. For the time being, they want to develop all of these movies as if they are their own things. You know, Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman, even though Shazam will have a little bit of the crossover because of Superman just as, a, as an Easter egg. But they basically want to develop the, the, this whole next slate of films as if they are completely self-encompassed, self-contained. And then from there, sort of assess the situation and decide, okay, so this is grouped with this, that is grouped with that, you know, we're, and that's it. So as of right this moment, the, everything is still sort of in a state of flux until they see how people react to things. You understand? Um, th and this kind of circles back to what I was saying last week about the importance of Aquaman. That, you know, the, the the success or failure of Aquaman is going to have huge ramifications on the DC universe, on the DC cinematic universe. Because a, as it stands, you know, they're not sure how audiences feel about the brand. You know, and because, you know, Justice League misfired a great deal. But also, you know, aside from Wonder Woman, there wasn't a clear success story, a clear runaway success story from any of the previous DC movies from Man of Steel on. So they're still like assessing. There's still this element of we need to see if people are going to give us a shot. And it's like if Aquaman does great, followed by Shazam doing great, and Wonder Woman 1984 is a big sensation... And all these other movies that they're working on all come out and do great business and get people excited about DC again, then, you know, I think that's where they then push back into the shared concept and maybe announce some sort of big event movie that crosses over the timelines a little bit for down the line. If Aquaman falters, if Shazam falters, if Wonder Woman continues to be the only real true runaway shining star in this franchise then I think we're looking at a more or less soft reboot here where they're just going to literally just have these characters exist on their own for a long time. 
uh, and maybe reboot other ones too. You know, it's it, that's why like things are tenuous, and that's why it's hard for those of us who are trying to share information with you. It's hard for us to decide what to share and what not to share because from week to week it seems like things contradict one another. So just to recap, the Batman right now is being developed as its own thing with the thought being that if it goes really well in conjunction with everything else going really well, that we could, we could one day see Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman share the screen again. But for right now, their sole focus is making a great Batman movie. So there you go. You decide if that's good or bad or ugly, and uh, I'm going to leave that there for you, okay? Um, and, just, you know, and just another sort of note, just like following up, on last week's stuff about Aquaman. You know, it, it's really sort of interesting and unique what's going on here. The, Aquaman poses a very sort of uh, unique... How do I put this? It, it's a unique proposition for the DCU because it, it, it it's arguably their first time trying to make a movie about a non-A-list character and trying to get you to, to love him enough to turn him into an A-list character. Because if you think about it, you know, of, of the DC characters that we've been introduced to these last few years in terms of the movies, you know, he has a lot more in common with like Iron Man than he does with Superman or Captain America or the you know, like A-list characters is what I'm saying. You know, up until now, DC's played it sort of safe. You know, the you had Superman, you had Batman and Superman. Then there was Suicide Squad, but even that was sort of an extension of the Batman universe and you had Batman in it and you had Joker in it. So it had some of that A-list gravy all over it. And then you had, obviously, Wonder Woman, who's an A-list character, and you had Justice League, which is, his, you know, that's the big mamma-jamma of them all. But with Aquaman, it, they're kind of trying to pull, you know, I mean, not directly, you know, but they're, they're, they're trying to do what Marvel Studios did back in 2008, where we're going to take a character who's always been like a B or a C lister, and through, by making a very strong movie, we're going to try to get you to love him enough that he gets elevated to A-list status. So that's what makes Aquaman, you know, a very sort of unique situation. Because not only is it the follow-up to Justice League, so it's going to be our first real indication of whether or not people will give DC another shot after Justice League, but it's also the first time that DC's asking you to invest your time and money and energy in a character that up until now has been sort of a joke to the mainstream. So, you know, Aquaman is a very unique prospect. That's why I'm very, very intrigued by how people take to the trailer. I know that internally they're apparently very confident about Aquaman, and that's and that's why there's a little bit of a you know a rumor gossip bochincha I want to mention here about Aquaman, which is that internally they're feeling very strong about this James Wan movie, and they are indeed considering releasing it earlier. Because right now, you know, it, it is set to come out on December 21st. And December 21st is kind of a stacked date. It's kind of like it's not a great proposition for them. <laughs> because that day, you have the Transformers spinoff Bumblebee coming out. You have... Um, you have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse coming out the week prior to that, which could be eating into superhero profits. 
Uh, you also have Alita Battle Angel is supposedly going to come out that same day, too. And even though there's not a lot of huge buzz around that, you know, it is Robert Rodriguez and it's James Cameron. And it's a film that looks like, you know, it, it, it could definitely pry some eyeballs away. And then on December 25th, four days later, you have, you know, Mary Poppins Returns coming out. And that's another one that's going to eat away at family audiences and the kind of people who may want to go see a big adventurous Aquaman movie. So December 21st is hella crowded. And from what I'm hearing, they are considering moving it to earlier. Because you know, A, it would just make business sense, and B, they're feeling very confident about the film itself. Now, it, me, in doing my own just sort of digging, looking at the, at the release schedule, what's going to be coming on later this year, I noticed that Friday, December 7th, seems to be oddly dead in terms of big, you know, mainstream releases. Because just to kind of like, just to give you sort of like a full context here, at the end of November... You know, uh, on November 16th, Warner Brothers will release Fantastic Beasts, you know, the, the Harry Potter spinoff, a sequel to it. Then the following week, which on Wednesday, November 21st, which is the, you know, the day before Thanksgiving, you're, we're going to get Creed 2 and Robin Hood with Taron Egerton. And we're also going to get Ralph Breaks the Internet, uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2. And then things are kind of quiet. Literally, from November 21st up until December 14th when uh, Spider-Man comes out, things are very, very quiet. In fact, December 7th only has a movie called Mary, Queen of Scots, which is like a, it's like a biopic. Uh, there's a movie called The Silence, which I haven't heard of. It stars, it stars Miranda Otto and Stanley Tucci. Seems like more of an uh, indie film. And you have another film called Under the Silver Lake starring Andrew Garfield and Dakota Johnson. So there's really kind of like nothing there. And up to that point, there hasn't been anything since December 21st. So if you ask me, that is the perfect weekend to drop Aquaman. Because then he gets the jump on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which comes out the following week, December 14th. So then it becomes, you know, rather than having Spider-Man risking eat into Aquaman's profits, now you flip the table. And now it's Aquaman that might actually pull the rug out from under Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Not that I'm saying I want that to happen. You know, Spider-Verse looks like a good movie. I'm just saying if I'm an executive looking at this slate and I'm trying to maximize what my Aquaman movie can do, I'm going, screw it. December 7th, we're opening this movie. There's nothing else going on. By that point, it's been 16 days since the last big wide releases on November 21st. And that's what we're doing. So that's kind of, you know, that's just my own sort of guesstimation, my own sort of, you know, like where I would put it. Because if you do it any sooner than that, then you know, then Warner Brothers will be cannibalizing itself because you know, they have Fantastic Beasts coming in the middle of November. And then you can't really go sooner than that because then you're really asking James Wan to rush. And you can't delay it because if you tell people that now they're going to have to wait until 2019 for Aquaman, which is an idea I've heard floated out there just by writers, not by anyone else, you know, not by anyone at the studio. But people have said maybe, you know, they should release it in like January or February when things are quiet. But it's like, no, yeah, that will send the wrong signal. And it doesn't seem like that's what they want to do. They want to make it earlier, but they can't go that much earlier. So that's why I'm saying 
I would look at December 7th as a landing spot for an adjusted Aquaman release date. Regardless, just know that they are internally you know, so confident that they are having serious conversations about moving this baby up. Uh, and, that, and that might actually be one of the reasons why they decided to hold off on the trailer because there was some considerable momentum around the idea of dropping the Aquaman trailer last week as part of the big reveal with the Entertain Entertainment Weekly spread and the new images and all the fresh new quotes from Juan and, and um, Amber Heard and Jason Momoa. You know, there was some thought put into, let's just drop this thing on Friday. But I'm wondering now if one of the reasons they decided to save it is because as part of unveiling the trailer, they also want to unveil the new date. You know, so th these are all things just to sort of take with a grain of salt, keep an eye on. But it's pretty exciting to think that they're very high on this film and they may want to release it sooner to give it its best possible chance at success. Because as I said before, the success of Aquaman is going to mean a ton for the future of the DC Cinematic Universe. Now, switching over to... By the way, I, I, I'd love to hear, by the way, before I switch, I'd love to hear if you think they can pull an Aquaman with Iron Man. I, I, I mean, pull an Iron Man with Aquaman. And I'm, and I'm not doing this to start a flame war. This is not like a Marvel versus DC thing. What, what, what I mean by that question is, can they take a character that's traditionally been a B or C lister and bump him up to A-list status? Do you know, based on what you've seen of this Aquaman so far based on the way Jason Momoa has played him in BVS and Justice League based on what your friends have said about it or whatever you know I just want to know do you think that in the span of one movie Aquaman can suddenly become a priority character an A-list top tier superhero for the DC Cinematic Universe I'd love to know whether or not you think they can do that but okay so now I'm going to switch over to the small screen DC. Uh, this is another just rumor, you know, but I, I hear that Krypton is going to get a little bit of a facelift. Now, it may not be all that noticeable in front of the camera, but from what I, I heard yesterday, that they may be actually changing showrunners between seasons one and two. You know, right now we know season two is coming, but from what I hear, they might be switching showrunners and it's actually the showrunner of another sci-fi series, uh, a series called Superstition, uh, might get the move over to Krypton. Now, I don't know why this would happen. I don't know, you know, I don't know if this is because the other guy got fired or if he quit or maybe he just got another project. I literally, I can't pass judgment on why this might be happening. All I know is for those of you who are into Krypton, there's going to be a different person calling the creative shots uh, next, you know, next season. You know, David Goyer's still involved, and you know that that, you know, that way you know, they're they're not totally reinventing the creative team for this series. But the showrunner himself, the the, the main, the lead producer, who kind of helps decide you know, which direction the series is going to go in, who gets hired to direct the episodes, helps manage the budgets, who, who handles all the real nitty-gritty of connecting this, season, you know, this series together. That person, it looks like they're changing. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, I don't know how that's going to play out, if that's going to hurt the series or help the series. You know, oftentimes in these situations, what, what tends to happen is 
After a, a successful first season of a show, the showrunner and the network can kind of end up at odds with one side wanting to basically stay the course, saying, okay, we have a winning formula, the ratings are solid, let's just keep doing what we're doing. And the other side going, okay, now it's time to kick things up a notch because the numbers are strong. So now we're going to, you know, now, now we want more money and we want to explore new territory and really sort of revolutionize the series and kick it up to its next level. I'm not saying that's what happened here, but, you know, if you look around, this sort of thing has happened a lot where, you know, a seemingly successful show loses its showrunner and it's because the two sides have just di you know, diametrically different priorities where one of them wants to stay the course one of them wants to change the game uh so yeah listen we'll, we'll see maybe we'll see if anything comes to this you know right now it's just it's it's rumor it's bochinche it's gossip we'll see if it happens and if it does maybe as part of that story it'll be explained why this change has happened for now i just know that you know directly from someone who's fairly close to the situation, they seem to have made a big switch over at Krypton. So take that as you will. And now before I wrap things up, I just want to take a moment to address <clears throat> this week's big Star Wars rumors. You know, Collider dropped a report about the fact that the, the, the Star Wars story movies may be on like indefinite hold for now. Now yeah, that would include the uh, rumored in development Kenobi movie, as well as the announced, you know, James Mangold Boba Fett movie. Um, and then, you know, yesterday there was a series of reports that basically sort of quote unquote debunked that. So where does the truth lie? You know, where, you know, what's going on over there? So based on, based on what I've been discussing, and this isn't from like insiders, this is just from discussing it with other writers on this beat in sort of our own little back channels. You know, what seems to be going on is there is momentum around this idea that the Star Wars standalones have been put on hold. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that a few things happen. Stephen Daldry, who was working on and developing the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, has exited the project. And that, that's happened in the last couple of weeks. And what's also happened is that the Pinewood Studios soundstage that had been earmarked and reserved to serve as a, as a Star Wars stage has suddenly been released to allow other films to shoot there. So that's why I think, in terms of these rumors, it's actually somewhere in the middle. I don't think the films have been scrapped or completely sort of put on indefinite hiatus because there's now the you know, they're unsure as to whether or not they're going to keep making Star Wars stories. What I think is more than likely the case is that they are sort of just pausing briefly just to assess what kinds of stories people want. We are, well, what is worth our investment in making? What do the audience audiences seem to want to see? That sort of thing. And I actually wrote a whole comprehensive column on my opinions on what direction these should go. You should go check it out. It's on Revenge of the Fans right now. I, I have it up there. So it's like it's it's the top post on there and it will be throughout the weekend. It's just called The Tragic Misdiagnosis of What's Hurt the Star Wars Franchise. Because, you know, I it, it pains me to think 
that that uh, anyone at Lucasfilm is blaming the Star Wars story concept itself, and that that they're, they're looking at the failure of Solo as a failure of that concept. And it's you know I honestly don't think it has anything to do with the concept being flawed. I think it has to do with the stories that they're telling because Rogue One proved that people will flock to these kinds of you know uh, standalone anthology movies as long as it's got enough freshness to it and it's telling a story that feels different and exciting and not like anything we've seen before and Rogue One did you know it did boast that it told of a very unique story and took us to a very you know to a place in Star Wars history we've never really seen they're on ground level with these mortal characters banding together to form the, the basically the beginnings of the rebellion you know it was exciting it was different solo didn't do that and that's why I'm like I'm just hoping that they don't look at Solo and just decide, oh, well, people don't want these anymore. You know, as I've said over and over again, you might even roll your eyes, I'm not going to go into it, but just, you know, the very concept of Solo was why that movie didn't do so well. You know, the concept for it, as well as the release date, as well as the questionable marketing, you know, that's what made Solo the, the unfortunate misfire that it was. It's not the anthology concept itself. Because there is a huge audience there for that, as the $1.1 billion for Rogue One clearly proves. And that's why I feel like the, the roadmap forward is to tell stories that involve maybe. If, if, listen, if, you, if, if you're insistent on not exploring completely new ground, then tell stories that involve some OG characters, some old school Star Wars characters, but don't make it centered on those characters. You know, Rogue One was cool because what does Rogue One mean? It's about a band of people. It's about a group of people who we don't even know. And I want to get to know Rogue One. Solo, a Star Wars story, says, hey, here's more time with Han Solo who's not really the Han Solo you grew up on or, or you know, it's not Harrison Ford. You know, it's like this idea of, of making these standalones, like now let's do Kenobi, a Star Wars story, and Boba Fett, a Star Wars story, and Yoda, a Star Wars story. Like that, I don't think that's the way, that's the way forward. You shouldn't name it after a character. The movie should not attempt to be in a, in a, an elaboration of that character's mythology. The movie should be about a standalone event that's really freaking cool, and people feel like, I can't miss that. But again, circling back now to the rumor itself, you know, I think the kernel of truth in there is that there is a pause. I think that they are somewhat delaying and reassessing how they want to tell these stories. Like maybe Boba Fett, rather than being Boba Fett's movie, will now be a movie just in general about the bounty hunters. And he'll be one, maybe he'll be the central figure in the story, but the way they market it, the way they title the movie, is more so about that whole world of the bounty hunters, as opposed to Boba Fett, a Star Wars story. Same thing with Kenobi. So I think there's a pause going because they did release the Pinewood soundstage that was going to be used for some Star Wars goodness. Stephen Daldry did step away from the Obi-Wan movie, uh, I want to say about a month ago. So there's definitely something to this, but I think it's in between. It's not the outright denials of Collider story, and it's not exactly Collider's story. It's somewhere in the middle. Lucasfilm is assessing how to proceed, and here's hoping that they figure out that the way forward is to 
give us unique standalone experiences and don't attempt to teach us more about characters we already know so well. So anyway, that's just sort of my two cents on what's going on with Star Wars and that big rumor. And honestly, that kind of does it for this episode of the show because as I do have a lot going on today. I got to finish downloading my songs for the wedding tonight. I have to try to rehab myself a little bit so that I'm ready to perform. Um, so yeah, th th this is a short and sweet 40 some odd minute edition of the show. If you enjoyed it, Please, you know, tell your friends, spread the word, maybe write a review on uh, on Apple Podcasts. Let people know uh, what you think of the El Fanboy podcast uh, and spread some of the rumors that you hear on here if you want. You know, I, I, I feel pretty confident about them and I think some of them are some interesting conversation starters. So go ahead and start those conversations because I want to see where they go. But for right now, I want to thank you for listening. Continue, as always, to keep your eye on RevengeOfTheFans.com for all your latest news, rumors, analysis, and bochinche about your favorite geek properties. And this week's recommendation is the comedy film Masterminds. It is on Netflix. It's got an unbelievable comedic cast with Zach Galifianakis and Kristen Wiig and Jason Sudeikis and just all kind you know, uh, Owen Wilson. It's it's it caught me totally by surprise. I put it on just on a lark the other night and I laughed and I smiled my head off. And honestly, you know, it, it's been tough these last few weeks. No matter which, what end of the, of the political spectrum you live on, no matter what year you're into, it's been a pretty dark time in, in culture and in society lately. There hasn't been a lot to laugh or smile or high-five each other about, unless you're pure fucking evil, of course. But you know, there hasn't been a lot to be happy about. And that's why Masterminds was just kind of like a perfect antidote. I put it on at the end of a long day of, you know, of work, and bad, you know, sad breaking news on te on television, and all kinds of you know political and personal strife going on around the world. And I sat down, and for a couple of hours, Masterminds just made me laugh and made me happy. So that that makes this week's recommendation Masterminds. And by the way, it's also it's this complete like bananas Gonzo harebrained story. And it's based loosely on something that really happened, which makes it even more like, what? So check out Masterminds. And until next week, life is chaos. Be kind. Adios. <laughs>